Welcome back to Amnesty International podcast, the first of 2010. After Amnesty in the News, we'll be asking, what are the implications around the international protection of Guantanamo detainees? How should the international community work with the Afghan government? And we'll take a look at Yemen and how human rights are holding up on the front line in the so-called war on terror. But first... Canadian government held the first international conference to lay out the initial response to the reconstruction of Haiti. Amnesty International took the opportunity to express its concerns amid the humanitarian crisis and stressed that protecting human rights is essential for effective relief and sustainable recovery. One year on from the end of the military offensive in Gaza and Israel continues its suffocating blockade of the Gaza Strip. More than 1.4 million Palestinians are cut off from the outside world and struggling with desperate poverty. The Israeli government is still refusing to comply with its obligations as the occupying power and lift the blockade without further delay. The number of people internally displaced as a result of the fighting in Somalia is now 1.5 million and some 3.7 million are dependent on humanitarian aid. Amnesty International has called for arms transfers to the Somali government to be suspended until there are adequate safeguards to prevent weapons from being used to commit war crimes and human rights abuses. And now to Vietnam, where a court upheld sentences of between two and six years for dissidents who hung out democracy banners and wrote and distributed anti-state documents. The sentences come against a backdrop of escalating repression against critics of the government and a new wave of arrests began in May 2009, targeting independent lawyers, bloggers and pro-democracy activists. Guantanamo remains a stark symbol of injustice. The detention facility is still open after US President Barack Obama pledged to close it. So what hope remains for those stuck inside, and who should be helping? In our next feature, we hear from Sharon Kritoff, our US researcher, and Polly Rosdale from Reprieve. There are 198 prisoners still in Guantanamo, despite Obama's promise to close the prison by the 22nd of January. 50 of those men still detained cannot be returned to their home countries for fear of further human rights violations. They need international protection. This means they need another country to step forward to provide them with a safe and appropriate home in which to rebuild their lives. Let me tell you about Ahmed Belbacha. Ahmed is an Algerian man uh, who's been in Guantanamo uh, for almost nine years. He fled Algeria uh, in the 90s. Uh, he was working for the state oil company as an accountant uh, when he was the victim of threats uh, by the organization, the GIA. Uh, GIA had been killing other state employees and Ahmed fled. He now faces threats both by the Algerian government and Islamic terrorists and can't go home to Algeria. He simply needs uh, a European country to step forward and offer him a home. Many European and other governments have long criticized Guantanamo and called for the detention center to be closed. We feel that those governments have a moral obligation now to step forwards and provide a safe haven for those detainees most at risk. There are 27 EU member states. If each country just took two prisoners, 
uh, we would be a lot closer to closing Guantanamo and ending this uh, symbol of global injustice. Some European governments and others have already stepped forward to, to help out. These include France, Ireland, Belgium, Hungary and Portugal. We are calling on other countries, countries which could provide safe and appropriate haven for these men to now step forward and also offer international protection. The vast majority of detainees in Guantanamo are from the Yemen, where the authorities have been fighting the Al-Qaeda threat for a number of years. However, for some time, the country has faced separatist demonstrations in the south and an armed rebellion in the north. Recent fighting resumed with new intensity last August, and so far, more than 200,000 people have been forcibly displaced. Amnesty International Yemen researcher Lamri Shirouf. The government has intensified its response against Al-Qaeda and has attacked many uh, suspects, killing them in circumstances which are not very clear as to whether he, they could have arrested them instead of killing them. But they also killed some of the civilians, their, their, their families. People are detained uh, and, uh, and uh, they are then denied access to lawyers, sometimes uh, held incommunicado, not allowed to see their families for weeks, months. Um, and these are the, the, the things we are talking about, these patterns of human rights uh, abuses. There is concern that the significant human rights achievements made over the last two decades and the increased presence of NGOs on the ground may now also be under threat. We want to protect these gains and not see, not see them eroded by counter-terrorism measures that are void of uh, human rights. There is the fear that the government will use this support uh, given to, uh, to uh, counter the threat of Al-Qaeda as a green card to exacerbate the human rights situations in the north and in the south. On January the 26th, international leaders gathered in London to discuss the worsening security conditions in Afghanistan. Outside the conference, we interviewed Sam Zarifi, our Afghanistan specialist, on the human rights challenges now faced in the country. We're in central London, where the London Conference on Afghanistan is taking place, bringing together uh, various senior members of the international community, Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, U.S. Uh, Secretary of State um, Hillary Clinton, Gordon Brown, President Hamid Karzai of Afghanistan to address the deteriorating security conditions in Afghanistan and essentially the future of the country. It's clear at this point that uh, the situation in Afghanistan has gotten steadily worse. Last year the United Nations registered more than 2,400 civilians who were killed as a result of the conflict between the Taliban and other insurgent groups on the one hand and the Karzai government and its international supporters. Uh, more than two-thirds of those civilians were killed by the Taliban who have really stepped up their attacks across the country, targeting civilians in many instances, attacking schools, attacking health clinics, and so it's clear that something has to be done. Amnesty International believes that the best way forward, what we hear from the Afghan people throughout the country as well as from Afghan civil society groups just recently, is for the international community and the Afghan government to provide a real alternative to the Afghan people, to provide them with a government that they can really support. 
the UN mandate for international troops in Afghanistan, focused on supporting the rights and defending the rights of the Afghan people. Unfortunately, President Karzai's government over the last eight years has squandered a great deal of legitimacy, in part by bringing into power, into very high positions, some serious human rights violators, people who are notorious for abuses during the civil war, before the Taliban, and unfortunately since then. We've seen real failures in providing the rule of law and good governance. We've seen corruption become endemic. And we've seen the rights of the Afghan people being trampled. And as a result, the Afghan people have told Amnesty International over and over again that they feel that this government has lost their support and their legitimacy. And that's one of the reasons why, in fact, it's created political space for groups like the Taliban to come back. Amnesty International believes that it's absolutely essential for the international community to work with President Karzai now in his second term to provide a clean government, a government that does not have human rights violators in it, and one that will provide good governance. It's absolutely essential for the Afghan government and the international community to show their support for Afghan women who are more than 50% of the population and who have suffered disproportionately and whose rights are now, again, uh, in danger of being lost in face of uh, growing insurgency and the growing conflict. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast. But before I sign off, I'm just going to plug the Amnesty iCandle application for the iPhone, which is now available for download and helps you fight human rights abuses, as well as read Amnesty's news and events directly from your phone. Thanks for listening. Amnesty International.